Hello world and welcome back to Spider Bites, the Spider Oak podcast. I'm your host Adam Turvitt and today I'm excited to introduce you to Ben Webb who is a security risk analyst in the financial sector. Ben also has some interesting hobbies on the side that include being part of SecKC, which is a a great hacker community local to Kansas City, and so dear to my heart because that's my hometown, as well as Ben's. Without further ado, after this message, we'll hear from Ben Webb. This podcast is sponsored by Spider Oak. At Spider Oak, we believe security is important, and it's our mission to secure the world's data. From secure data compartments for collaboration and data storage, to protecting your backups with end-to-end encryption, or even protecting communications in space, we want to be part of your plan to protect your most important data. Learn more at spideroak.com. Welcome back to Spider Bites, the Spider Oak podcast. I'm Adam Turvitt, and today I'm excited to be joined by Ben Webb. Ben, welcome. Well, hello. How are you doing today? Doing all right. Excellent. So, uh, Ben, why don't we start off? Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Um, my name is Ben Webb. I've been working in the IT industry for about 25-ish years now. Um, grew up in Kansas City, have always lived here, still enjoy it, uh, except for the climate, which is terrible. But yeah. <laughs> um, I, in addition to doing tech type stuff, I love to be outdoors. I love doing outdoor things. I've got a canoe trip here at the end of the week. I've got a jeeping trip at the end of the month. I've got a backpacking trip before the end of the year. So that's how I try to spend a lot of my time. Yeah. And the Midwest is great, especially for canoeing. That's one of my favorite things to do. Oh, absolutely. It, you know, yeah. Down to the Ozarks and go mm-hmm. on a float trip. It's it's a great way to spend a weekend. Yep. And, and we always do the, the after Labor Day trip to avoid like frat life. So it, yeah, works, yeah. <laughs> it works really well for us older folks. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, tell us a little bit about what you do professionally. Um, professionally, I am a risk analyst, uh, information security risk analyst for a financial firm here in town. And then I also do a lot of work with SecKC. SecKC mm-hmm. is a, a hacker meetup. It's the world's largest hacker meetup. Uh, that meets on a monthly basis based here in Kansas city. We are actually having our 10th anniversary uh, later this month here, just in a couple of weeks. We meet on patch Tuesday. Yeah, no, we're super excited. Um, We did virtual meetings there for quite a while, you know, because of everything, but we're back to doing as long as you're vaccinated, physical and in-person meetings, we're meeting at record bar and we're really looking forward to a, a big thing for our 10th anniversary. So for people who don't know, and I'm sure all of our listeners who are in Kansas City have heard of SecKC, but tell us a little bit about some of the things that that happen within the organization and, uh, you know, different projects and, and interesting people that are involved. Absolutely. If there's anything that you like uh, from a technology or a security standpoint, you're probably going to find someone there who wants to learn things from you and someone who wants to teach you something you don't know yet. Um, I've met some of the most brilliant people. Um, I've had teenagers explaining firmware to me that I didn't understand. Um, I've had opportunities to show people, uh, like college students, new things that they haven't seen yet just because it's, you know, something they haven't come across. There are people that like to make homebrew electronics. There's people that like to reverse engineer things out in the world. There's people, obviously, that do a lot of security and that type of stuff. It's it's really anybody, any 
any interest you have in a technical space, you're going to find something there that probably suits you. It's a great group of people. It's almost like a miniature DEF CON every month. Yeah. yeah. So for people that are in the area and are interested in, in becoming part of SecKC, where would they go to do that? Uh, head over to setkc.org. It's there. All the information will be there. We actually, we do an event right for each meeting. That way we can figure out because there's always food provided and we have to figure mm -hmm. out how much for that and everything. And yeah, absolutely come out. Uh, meetings right now are on Patch Tuesdays. Uh, we've been going to Record Bar um, and that, that seems to be the plan for the, the foreseeable future. But, you know, just kind of stay involved. We've already got our own Discord server you can join. There's, it's a great community to hang out with. And meeting on Patch Tuesday is so appropriate. <laughs> yes. Yep, because nobody in InfoSec is busy on that day at, at all. At all, yeah. <laughs> I think it's more that we all just need a drink. After after yeah. Patch Tuesday, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I know you're heavily involved in, in security, both in your professional life and your personal life. So let's talk a little bit about what are the what are the things that you're concerned about? What are the security problems that you know, keep you up at night and what are some of the the actions or tools, actions you take or tools that you use that you try and address those problems with? Sure. Um, so the, like the hackers getting my data doesn't keep me up at night. Honestly, there's a much higher chance that my bank or my hardware store or my grocery store or somebody else is going to lose my data on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So I don't put a whole lot of thought into, oh goodness, you know, the hackers or the Russians, whoever are going to steal my data. What I do think about is just the sort of insidious, in, uh, insidious might be too strong of a word, but just layering on and layering on of observation, of surveillance that, that seems to go on more and more and more as, uh, as time goes on. Um, so to, to fight that, one of the, the biggest, and I don't fight it's not really the right word, but to kind of control at least what, how much data I myself am leaking. Uh, step one is always, I always look at new settings. Like when I get a new device, I know you just got a, you said you got a new laptop. Like mm -hmm. very first thing I do when I fire up the browser is okay, let's go in and change all my settings, turn off things like telemetry and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So that's usually step one. Um, I like uh, the privacy oriented services. I always have, like Privacy Badger from Electronic Frontier Foundation in my browser, mm -hmm. or uh, DuckDuckGo does privacy tools, which are nice. Uh, they work pretty well as, as well. Um, I use the DuckDuckGo extension on my uh, phone or on my, uh, the. they actually make a browser for the phone, which is- Yeah, that's my awesome. favorite mobile browser. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah it works great. Um, the, the cookie and clear and everything is real simple. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic in the way that it works. It's well thought out. Um, other things I do, I, I, I do like on online and cloud services just for the convenience, um, mm -hmm. but I look for ones that are sec security controlled by me and not necessarily by the company. Right. Um, I've actually been a Spider Oak customer for a long time now just because of the zero knowledge backup. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I started like a one gigabyte plan if that, that gives you some, some <laughs> you know, a time period. <laughs> but it, it's always been good in my mind, like Microsoft just had a huge breach where they were leaking data out of one of their uh, database services. And they fixed it right away. As soon as they became aware, they, they did the right thing. They shut off the offending uh, services and everything. 
but that data was just there for download. And I love the idea of zero knowledge encryption where I keep the key and I do the encryption and decryption on my end, because mm -hmm. I know no matter what happens with that data, whether it's, you know, physically walks off because of something or virtually walks off because somebody finds a way in, uh, I know that it was encrypted by me with strong keys and I don't have to, to fuss over it. I don't have to be concerned. I mean, if somebody wants to spend the amount of time and effort it takes to decrypt that to get my data, which is probably worthless anyways, hey, more power to them. Yeah, and that's, I think that's, you know, we, we can, on the network level, zero trust is really becoming something that a lot of network level tools are going to, and of course I'm biased because I work at Spider Oak and sure. I, you know, I chose to come here because I was originally a customer too, uh, for the same reasons you mentioned, but it just feels like that's that's going to be an important thing in the future to for for services to move to that zero trust, zero knowledge uh, approach for the reasons that you mentioned. It, it is really hard to avoid, you know, a, a wrong setting or some kind of a breach that exposes mm -hmm. data. But if it's encrypted, especially encrypted at rest, then it makes the cost of the attack to decrypt that data so high that uh, most reasonable attackers aren't even going to try it. And if they do want to spend that much money and that, that amount of time to decrypt it, well, then they're obviously highly motivated and you're going to have a hard time stopping them anyways. A, a highly motivated, highly financed, resourced attacker, yeah, will, will be extremely difficult. But Again, you know, if they, if they want to work that hard to get all my Dungeons and Dragons notes, that's that's <laughs> fine. Yeah. So, in your professional capacity, especially since you're in uh, the the financial industry, what are some of the things that uh, you see that you know, if you could tell all all the people who work in finance, uh, you know, one or two things that you wish financial institutions would do better in terms of security, what would they be? That's an interesting question. Um, I will say that for the most part, financial companies do a pretty decent job. Um, not all of them, but for the most part, they do. Most of what they're constrained by is just their, their, their size. Um, it's extremely hard to sit down and have good discipline. And discipline is the most important thing when it comes to, to information security. It's extremely hard to have good discipline on an environment of hundreds of thousands of servers. Right. It's just... There's so much going on and it's, it's really hard to have that level of control. So that's, if, if they suffer from something, that's really what they suffer from. Uh, most financial firms have a good set of controls, but non-technical controls are one of the most important things that they can do. Mm -hmm. And by non-technical controls, I mean things like have uh, a verification process for something that's requested by email, have, mm -hmm. have a verification process for something that's requested by phone, actually have good uh, due diligence around ensuring that the customer asking is the customer asking. Um, right. All of those things happen, I think, on a, a more regular basis than people realize. It, it's not actually unlike what I tell people when they ask me on their personal lives, have non-technical controls around all of these things. Um, everything you do to technology, if you're not watching it, um, because like you said earlier, it's easy to have, it's easy to miss a setting. It's easy to do you know, just to miss a small thing. And they all, a lot of times are small things. And if you're working with cloud services and everybody is, 
there's a reasonable chance your service provider is going to mess something up for you as right. well. Yeah. So have non-technical controls that are watching that. You know, it, it, um, it, the financial firms, and a lot of them are good about it, but there's always room for improvement. Have things where humans are checking and verifying on the backside. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it slows things down and it's not as efficient as everybody would like, but it's where your real security is going to come from. It, it, go ahead. No, that's, that's an interesting idea. And part of the reason I think that's a great idea is because it doesn't scale well. And so it, it means that situations need to be evaluated by a real person on a one by one case basis. Sometimes that is true. I mean, you, you have to have some things. If someone sends an email and says, I need to do a wire transfer based on this email, somebody, there needs to be a process. There needs to be a procedure to call that person and make sure that yeah. that's really that person. There have been all sorts of fraud cases where they didn't have that kind of diligence or somebody didn't perform that kind of diligence and people have lost millions of dollars. So doing things like that is every bit and probably more important as you know, the protection that you're doing for your firewall and whatnot. Most of those things, you know, are there and work well. Let's go back a little bit to what you said about discipline. Can you expand on that a little bit? Why, you know, why discipline is a key part of, of security? Discipline is to me the most key part from a, a, like a vulnerability management standpoint, which is a big part of what I do. Having the discipline to do good patching Mm -hmm. and to follow up on things and to make sure that you're on top of that every month as those patches come out is extremely important and extremely hard to do. People like to talk about the security budget, but most of having good security is not about the security budget. It's about the operational cost of doing things well. When you have good patching that's aggressive, uh, is tested and, and applied immediately, that is the single most important thing that you can do to keep your vulnerability profile down, but it's also the single hardest thing to do because it requires a lot of people. It requires, well, not necessarily people, but it requires a lot of automation. It requires a lot of effort and it mm -hmm. requires organizational willpower to actually take the time to do that. Take, there's always element of risk because you're changing things to take the risk to do that and to push through and get that done within the first few days to a week after those patches are released. It's, it's a hard thing. Um, and it's not the security budget, it's your operational process. Right. And that's usually a harder sell because people don't equate that. Like executives right now, they're, they're terrified of ransomware. They're a hundred percent ready to spend money on every security product they can find. Uh, what they're not ready to do, it seems is to put the priority and the people in place to actually push through organizational discipline to make sure that, uh, you're actually, your fundamentals are good. You're built in a way, your network segmentation is there, all the things that are supposed to be done to improve security, but don't necessarily fall under the quote security budget and team. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's, it's sometimes a, a hard change in frame of reference. Uh, mm -hmm. It's easy to, to throw dollars at a problem but that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you get a solution that fixes the problem. Most of the time, it seems not to. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, well, people want the panacea, and I understand that. They want to be able to write a check and make the problem go away. But if it was an easy problem, everybody would have solved it already. It's hard to do, and it takes a lot of organizational will to do it. And it takes it over an extended period of time. 
you can't just have a project and say, okay, we're going to patch everything. All right, we're done. Isn't that great? We're secure. That project comes up two weeks later, right? Right. <laughs> and two weeks after that, we're doing it again. And that's just the world you live in. And it's hard to accept that as an organization. Yeah. Uh, here, our, our CEO jokingly says that whenever one of us comes up with the magic fairy dust that solves all of security, we'll, we'll get a big bonus. Yeah. Because, of course, that, that thing doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it does not. And everybody wants it too. And, and of course, every time a new product comes out, that's how it's advertised, right? AI is the new fairy dust now. Um, <laughs> I think if we can figure out a way to get AI and zero trust into the same marketing pitch, it's probably going to be even better. And blockchain. We, we, yes, you know, absolutely. We AI hit all. Blockchain. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yep. You got to hit all the high points of the marketing all at once. Yep, yep. <laughs> Well, tell me a little bit about on a, on a personal level, what are some of the things that you do that, you know, a normal person who would like to improve their security posture could, could learn from or, or could implement to, to help them be more secure? Sure. And, and this is a fun question because like 90% of the time when you ask a cybersecurity professional, probably, probably higher than that, they will tell you, don't reuse passwords, use a password manager and enable 2FA. Right. You understood what I said. I watched a guy named John Strand. Now, John is kind of famous as a cybersecurity person. He's done training for people for decades now. He's an extremely good presenter, understands his audience well. He was interviewed because he was doing a, a conference in South Dakota. And in South Dakota, you know, hey, let's go look at the nerds. Somebody comes out to, to you know, interview him, right? And he answers, gives that soundbite answer. The problem with that soundbite answer is that nobody knows what it means. Like he said that to the, the guy interviewing him, and I, I don't think he said it in front of him, so it was you know probably the desk waiters, and he says, and I understood what one of those things was. <laughs> so when, I, when someone asks me, I say, don't reuse passwords, and I just drop it there, and I explain why. Because if they don't have any context, I mean, it, they're not going to understand. So I'm like, look, one of the most popular things for hackers to do is take the, the smash mouth fan forums from 2017, somebody's selling those passwords today, somebody's selling a passwords from everything, and say, hmm, let's try those on Venmo. Let's try those on 1,500 different banks that we know the, the web address of. Mm -hmm. Don't reuse just because anytime it's compromised, it's going to get tried on literally everything. And if there's time, so we can have that conversation. And then if there's time, let's talk about a password manager and how that can make your life easier in not re reusing passwords. And hey, if you can use something that's cloud-based, even better because you'll have your passwords on your phone and on your computer and on your other computer and et cetera. Um, I don't get into 2FA until we've had a chance to absorb those because those are the most important of that discussion. Then we can talk about what's, what's look at two-factor and what that means and how do you do that. And oh my gosh, that's inconvenient. Well, yes, it is, but uh, it, it helps and here's why. But I think too many people just jump to let me rattle these things off and give me you know, the top five or 10 things that you have to do. And it's so important. It's like, slow down, work with, with somebody where they're at and give them the one or two things that they can absorb and actually put into action. Otherwise they just, they kind of get that lean back and the, the head deer in the headlights and they go, ah, okay, sure. And then they, you know, try to get out of the conversation. I think that's so true. And, you know, I'll tell you one of the, one of my big cybersecurity accomplishments was teaching my dad how to use a password manager a few years ago. Uh, he 
been hit with a ransomware attack on his work computer and uh, lost a bunch of photos. That was the thing he was most broken up about was the photos that he lost. And so he wanted to improve his, you know, improve security. And that was the one thing that we did that he still uses to this day. And it, it makes him feel so much better about almost everything he does online and, and for work. The fact that he uses a password manager and because of that, he has unique passwords for all the things that he uses. Uh, and my dad's a smart guy, but he's not a technology person. Right. I think there's so many people out there like that. Smart people who, if they're taught the why, mm-hmm. can will will be able to wrap their head around it and then be willing to take the time to set those systems up. Absolutely. My mom uses uh, just the, the notebook and writes them down, which I'm completely comfortable with as long as she's not reusing the fact that they're mm-hmm. written down in a notebook. I'm not worried about thieves breaking into her house to steal her passwords. That's not really in the threat model. So yeah, I'm, it's always a win when you can get somebody to listen and just do those things. Because again, it comes back to fundamentals. Just like you know, we talked about with, with patching or segmentation or whatever, it's all about the fundamentals. Execu- executing fundamentals well is way more important than the fancy tool that you could add. That's, that is a great, great point. And I think sometimes within you know, the security community and people who think about this all day long, it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, you, you really need to use this kind of 2FA because SMS is a terrible way to get your, your 2FA right. tokens. Is that true? Sure. Yes, it's true. But how many people actually use 2FA? Right. Yeah. It's probably not the biggest problem you have. It's probably not the biggest problem you have. Yep. Yep. Well, Thank you, Ben, for all of the the great insights. And uh, I love that concept of discipline being important to security. That's something I'd never thought of that I I learned from you today. We we love to end these interviews with a a quote. Do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share with us? Sure. I'm kind of a pirate nerd. Um, And and one of my favorites is actually the the pirate captain, uh, Black Sam Bellamy. And he says... uh, and it, it's really, it's part of a whole lecture he's giving a captain. He says, the rich rob the poor under the cover of law, and we plunder the rich under the protection of our own courage. And it, it, he was basically just talking about how they're, they're really the same people, and it's just who they're robbing and how. Mm. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, there seems like there's a lot of parallels between the, the hacker community and the uh, the pirate communities. <laughs> you know, in some ways there are. Pirates were a, a, a much different group, I think, than, than they're normally portrayed. That's so interesting. Well, Ben Webb, thanks again for, for your time and for all the things that you've shared. Adam, thank you. It was a privilege. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, that's uh, it for today's episode of Spider Bites, but please stay tuned. We'll have another episode out in a few days. Some things are best kept secret. You wouldn't send your company's financial data through snail mail on a postcard. So why would you use insecure digital collaboration tools? Introducing Crossclave, a file sharing and collaboration solution built with security in mind from the first byte. It's like Signal for Business. Crossclave uses distributed ledger technology and end-to-end encryption to deliver a true zero-trust system designed to protect you and your business's most valuable data. 
When you need to share or collaborate on your most sensitive information, SpiderOak's Crossclave is your only choice. Go to spideroak.com slash podcast to get started with a free account. No credit card required. Thanks again for listening. For all of us at SpiderOak, I'm Adam Turvitt. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe to hear more episodes wherever you procure your podcast from. If you're interested in joining us as a guest on Spider Bites, send me an email at podcast at spideroak-inc.com. We'd like to thank Mel Graves for our theme music, Earshot. And special thanks also go to the Spider Oak Law Firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, our air quality monitor, Carmen Dioxide, the Spider Oak Ice Rink Manager, Sam Boney, and to our staffing agency, Click and Clack. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>